Welcome to Misfits and Mystics Podcast, where we have conversations intersecting faith, mental health, artistry, and social justice. We're so glad you're here. So get cozy. But not too cozy, because we do keep it real on this podcast. Listen with care. And enjoy. All right, so we're here. We're back. I feel like it's been forever for some reason. I feel the same. Okay. I'm like, is it just me? I don't I don't know why it feels that way. Yeah. Some weeks I feel that way and some weeks I'm like, didn't we just put out an episode yesterday? Literally. But, didn't we just talk yesterday? Yeah. But yeah. So we're back. How are you? I am doing pretty good. How about you? I'm pretty good. Um I'm a little tired, as I just said before we started recording. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, everything's really good. I actually just came from therapy, and it was my last session. Um, and yeah, it went well. I had to like, as I was driving home, I had to like pause for a second and be like, you know, breathe, like you know, take a deep breath, let it out, and like, I don't know. I see everything as like. Not necessarily seasons, but like the beginning and the end, the end of things. I always try to like mark those things within myself. Mm-hmm. So that that breath was like, okay, we did it. I went to therapy for a certain topic and done really well getting through it as I usually do. And um, yeah, let's move on. That's so. great. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So um. Today, really quick, before we actually get into the topic, I want to talk about this Megan Thee Stallion situation. Did you see the video? I did not. Um, so I'm walking into this kind of blind. Okay, that's okay. It wasn't like, it's not hard to explain or to understand or anything because it was very basic, a very short video. But basically what happened, if you know who Megan Thee Stallion is, she's a rapper from Texas. And her mother became very well known uh, along with her as she has rapidly been um, gaining more attention, like literally in the past few months. She's been out for a while, but like the public, like, you know, overall, she's gotten bigger. And her mother has been a huge part of that because her mom was like her best friend. She was always with her. So if you've seen videos or she's just always talking about her mom in interviews, her mom used to be a rapper. And so like, that's a huge, that's literally why she started rapping pretty much. So everybody knows how important her mother is. So this past weekend slash week, maybe, because I'm not sure the exact day of the um, interview, she went to her interview and this, the the guy who was interviewing her did not do his research and asked her about her mom. He specifically said, I thought I was going to see your mom today. I know she's always with you. I know that's your best friend and y'all always together. Like he's just going, going, going. And as you see this video, it like you can like see her heart drop. She literally put her hand on her heart and she's looking at him like confused, but also like this is really hurting me right now. I am literally putting my hand over my heart. Right. Everybody wanted to like hurt this man because oh, what? My God. So there's the part that's like, wow, that's a struggle for her in that situation, especially with that just happening and it being mother's day just yesterday. 
So this is her first Mother's Day without her mom. She's still very young. She's still in school, like still up and coming rapper. You know, it's just a lot that goes into that. But regardless, whether she had none, any of that going on or not, like losing your mom is not easy. Right. So for this person to say that, but then also you as um, a radio personality who really, if you break it down, it's like journalism. You didn't do your job. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do background checks and see what's going on with the person so that you have stuff to talk to, to talk to them about accurately. And you didn't do that. So not only was it a personal sensitive subject, but like you just dropped the ball. So people all over Twitter have been like, who was the the um, radio host who asked her that question? Did they get fired? Because if I was working for that radio station, I would be like, bro, you just... Like what you just came into this interview and just was like, oh, I'm just gonna ask whatever I wanna ask. Like and not that you would think that somebody's mom died, like that probably wouldn't be your first thought when you see their mom with them all the time. But still, like it's your job to do research before you go into something talking to somebody, trying to like make it a nice, smooth show. He messed up the whole vibe. Mm-hmm. The entire vibe. I mean, yeah, like well, and I feel like um, something like that would be very easy to find in your research. You know, it's not like he was asking about something that is a little more obscure because I feel like that is common knowledge. Like when people lose loved ones and they're in the public eye, you know, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is very much a testament to just piss poor, like, um, preparation. Yeah. You know, it was very tragic. Um, especially me being a huge fan of Megan, but she seems to be doing okay. Just as she's been doing okay. Um, well, seems, I can't really say cause I don't know her personally, but, um, you know, she's continuing on with building her career and even like throwing parties and stuff. And so with that being said, just, you know, shout out to Megan, but also sending her love and anyone else who, like we just talked about, um, Mother's Day, who had to celebrate mm-hmm. Mother's Day without their mom. I don't know what that's like, um, but I do have some friends that are in that situation and, I, I just know it's tough just from like watching them and feeling their energy change on like certain holidays and, and things of that sort. So definitely sending love to anyone who needs that love at this time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even my own mother, like there are, there have been years where her energy, like her energy is mostly positive, but you can tell like there are moments where I can tell she's, maybe reflecting on her mother that, you know, passed away when I was a little girl. And um, sometimes I wonder how she is um, processing the day because she's obviously grateful to be spending time with her children and, you know, loved ones. But at the same time, you know, her own mother is no longer with us. So it's, it's such a complex holiday and I struggle a lot with how commercialized we've made, you know, holidays like Mother's Day. Um, I think I was reading a tweet, you know, that said something to the effect that like Mother's Day was originally started like as a, as to honor mothers so that they would not 
like basically speaking into mothers, like not wanting mothers to grieve their children at the hands of war. Mm. And so it's, and now like just with any holiday that we celebrate, it has become very commercialized, all about the like Hallmark, you know, greeting Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And then with social media, it heightens it even more because, you know, we post like, pictures and posts of showing like love and gratitude and not that those things are wrong but I think it's really interesting how we divert from like the original premise or intention behind the day and it often um, in the process alienates people who have lost their their mother due to death or through strained relationships. Um, And not every mother uh, is this loving, nurturing character, you know, that we've sort of placed upon mothers. Some mothers are very toxic and abusive. Mm -hmm. And um, so their children, you know, celebrating their mom is not, on the top of their to-do list, right. you know? So I often struggle with like how much we sort of sensationalize the day while also, you know, wanting to show appreciation to my mom because I am fortunate to have an awesome mom, but I recognize that that is not everybody's reality. Um, for various reasons and I don't know it's one of those things where we have to really work on how do we simultaneously celebrate those that are doing good work or um I don't even like to say that because it's not like people's worth is like measured by you know works or whatever but like how do we uh simultaneously celebrate people and the role that they play in our lives while at the same time holding space for people who may not be having the same experience Mm -hmm. you know yeah definitely yeah so happy mother's day yeah happy mother's day to all the moms and people that have a motherly role um i think the one way i showed solidarity for mother's day aside from spending time with my mom was i've been like really uh diving into seeing god as mother Mm -hmm. and not just father um and sort of reclaiming some of those motherly attributes that are that fit the description of God. Um, and just like, you know, we always say he's a father to the fatherless. God can also be a mother to the motherless. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just f- trying to encourage people to like see mother in the divine as well. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's a great place to transition to what we're talking about today. Um, mm-hmm. so, 
So today we will be talking about why did I just do this like huge, like it's going to be great, but it's going to be great. Um, we're talking about abortion laws. We're talking about how men don't know how to mind their business. And um, yeah, we'll just get into it. We'll just get into it. So to start off, I want to read an article that I found and I'm not going to read all of it. It's not that long anyway, but I do definitely want to read the beginning and some key parts from it. So it's from the New York Times and the article is called, What Do New State Abortion Laws Really Mean for Women? And it is written by Pam Belloc. I believe that's how you say it. This was um, put out on May 9th of this year. So it says, this week, the governor of Georgia signed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country. It effectively outlaws the procedure after six weeks of pregnancy. Republican governors in three other states, Mississippi, Kentucky, and Ohio, have signed similar laws this year, making or marking a new and more severe tactic by the anti-abortion movement. Um, and then I want to skip down to the explanation of what, what these laws do, or what exactly is the law. So there is a law that is called the um, fetal heartbeat law. That's pretty much what the law is that, you know, that we're talking about here that New York has set. And it says these so-called heartbeat laws ban abortion after the point when a fetal heartbeat can be detected. This often occurs as early as six weeks into a pregnancy when an ultrasound may be able to detect the pulsing of what will become the fetus's heart. These laws therefore move the ban on abortion in those states more than four months earlier than the current constitutional standard. Doctors measure the start of pregnancy from the date of a woman's last menstrual period, which is usually about two weeks before a fetus is conceived. Um, So these new laws would essentially prohibit abortion when an embryo is four weeks into development. That, usually just two weeks after a missed period, is before many women realize they are pregnant. So the key line that I, like, I'm just like, what? Is, um, is, it's six weeks into pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And this is when an ultrasound may, might could possibly be able to detect the pulsing, not even the actual heartbeat, but just the pulsing of what will become the fetus's heart. Hmm. (laughs) But also, um, did I read that part? I don't know if I read it, but reading up on this, they were saying that most women, if they're not expecting to get pregnant, they don't even know that they're pregnant until six weeks in that's usually at the point when people really realize like if they didn't realize before six weeks six weeks in is when they realize like oh something's different about my body so this law is saying at that six week six week point if you just realize it's too late you cannot get an abortion and if you try to get an abortion you could possibly go to jail Mm -hmm. so um how do you feel about this Oh, <laughs> I have many feelings. Um, I, I feel, I mean, I definitely, first of all, I will preface, I, I will be clear that I am definitely pro-choice. 
Um, so this, these types of laws um, definitely go against every fiber <laughs> uh, in my bones right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's accurate in the sense that most women don't realize that, you know, Hey, I, I might be pregnant um, <laughs> until that mark. And I have always said in the debate of abortion, like until we as a society can come to a consensus of when life begins, you know, there's, we're still debating that. Like some people are like, no, life begins at com- at conception. Some people, you know, are like, no, life begins at this marker point, like when the fetus is growing. And, you know, there's just all these different um, opinions about when life begins and when that life should take equal value, you know, to other life. Does it make mm-hmm. sense? So I feel like until we have reached a consensus on when life begins, we're always going to have these um, debates about the morality of abortion. Yeah. And at the same time, when it comes to the legality of it all, we have Roe v. Wade that was passed in the Supreme Court that has already, you know, determined that abortion is legal. <laughs> and we've, we have other laws to help us lay out uh, how, how that can be carried out as safely and ethically as possible you know Mm -hmm. and i think what people don't realize is that it's not like people just wake up and decide i'm gonna get an abortion today because i just feel like it you know um it is a choice that some people have to make for various reasons, um, not just the reasons that the religious right and misinformed people want to say are the reasons. There are multiple factors that come into play. And I feel like these types of laws just puts a blanket statement without considering those factors. Um, And it's all to push an agenda. (laughs) And I'll get into all of that later. But (laughs) um, just my initial feelings is, you know, it's bullshit. And um, yeah, (laughs) I'm pissed. I I mean, to make it plain, like pissed, because my, my main point about men not being able to mind their business. Honestly, and I don't I don't want this to be like a end of discussion um statement, but my main belief with this whole thing is that I just honestly don't feel like topics such as abortion 
should be so heavily focused on. But that's also because I believe it's simple. Let people do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not that simple for for everyone. So the way I feel about it, <laughs> you know. Well, like the but the argument of like let people do what they want to do, you know, one could apply that to other things. Well, yeah, no, I don't mean that, that in general. I I was saying that to say that I also am pro choice. I mm-hmm. mean, for this specific thing, like if that's what if someone wants to get an abortion, then why not? Because they have their reasons. Now, okay, if you have somebody who just, like, keeps having sex and keeps coming to get abortions and, like, they're not taking any precautions to not even get pregnant or anything, then I would definitely be like, okay, what's going on? Like, is this, like, a fetish or, like, what are you doing? I think it definitely, Mm -hmm. like, would cause for a conversation between that person and their doctor. But I honestly don't believe that that's what anyone is doing. It's usually for a really good reason. Going back mm-hmm. into this article, that there are parts later that say that they do make some exceptions, which is good to know. But still, I don't necessarily agree with the the law in general. But um, some of the exceptions are um, that they allow later terminations of pregnancies resulting from rape or incest. Absolutely, so happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, something not included in every version of these laws is that. So the fact that whoever you know really created this law really took the time to think about it. And the governor of Georgia signed off on, I said New York earlier. I'm in Georgia. I'm so sorry. Um, Signed off on it. Um, I appreciate them, you know, considering that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it also says that most of the laws allow abortion if the woman's life or health is seriously threatened. Um, So that's good to hear. But then that is one of those things, actually both the, the rape and incest and the, um, the, the health issues. It's good to see on paper. But then it's hard because you have those individual situations where doctors feel like what they have to say is is the best thing when a person should still mm-hmm. have the choice. Like, there are definitely doctors you'll tell, like, I want to do this. And they, they may say, like, that's probably not the safest thing. I think you should just wait it out. I think you should just go through with it. And you're like, no, this is what I want to do. And I'm telling you this. Like, I understand it's not always safe. I understand it may cause some issues for me later. But this is the choice that I've made. And they'll actually refuse to do whatever you ask them to do. Not even talking about abortion. Just talking about, like, mm-hmm. putting you on a certain medication or something, you know, or just, like, giving you an X-ray, Um they will refuse to do those things. So that's when it's important for the individual to know your rights. When you ask for something, then they need to give it to you. But everybody doesn't know that. Yeah. Well, and it's also important to know that um, this law isn't in effect yet. So um, I read a tweet earlier you know that said basically to the effect that you know there needs to be more responsible reporting um because essentially what's happening is people are in a state of panic which is warranted because when you learn that your your rights are in jeopardy, then you're obviously going to have this heightened sense of like concern. Um, But it's important to know that like this law, like 
will not be in effect until 2020. There's still steps that have to be made to make it official. And it's my understanding that there are countless people and entities and institutions that will be suing um, and trying to get this law, you know, not to go forth mm-hmm. in effect. Um, and so I, I encourage people to not like give up hope and throw everything in the air and like, you know, burn it all down. <laughs> um, like, yes, we do need to burn it all down, but that's like a different episode. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, so I, I think it's important to note that there's a lot of uh, lack of responsible reporting, but also, I can imagine it's hard to, you know, have some responsible reporting because I can imagine it being difficult to get the accurate information. I've read not just with like this, these laws, but like other, you know, laws that have, that people are trying to push forward that are very, um, very reflective of this like let's roll back the times you know kind of thing where the language in the bills are ambiguous or difficult to understand um you know with all these uh like with the jargon where it's like okay what is what does this really mean Mm -hmm. you know um and i know like the general public definitely struggles with that with understanding what things mean and how that impacts us as citizens. And um, so it can be difficult to like weave through like what is actually accurate and how does this information impact me or people around me? Um, So I just wanted to like make that known, but at the same time, (laughs) it's like, this is a very real thing, like where it definitely like could go into effect and that like changes you know the game you know it changes the trajectory of how women um receive the the care that they need and i i'm not sure if i can't remember if it was specifically georgia or because i know there are other states trying to pass this Mm -hmm. through um and I can't remember if it was specifically Georgia, if it was just in general, but I did read, um, I was reading somewhere where it was like um, kind of tearing down the misconception that like women could like be thrown in jail, you know, for the rest of their life, you know, for having an abortion. But it was more so targeting doctors who perform the abortions um, that they would like they were trying to make it so that it was the doctors that would receive most of the repercussions and not um, the person um, seeking the abortion. Um, and so it's just like things like that that need to be combed through a little more. Like I would like some clear, like clearer reporting mm-hmm. on. Because, um, you know, as a woman, like I've never... Um, never had to be faced with the choice of whether or not I need to get an abortion or not. But, you know, you just never know, like, like shit happens. And like, um, so 
as a woman, I'm definitely like, well, what does this mean? And like, what could this mean for me? What could this mean for my healthcare provider? Because then it turns into this like handmade sales scenario where like, um, I mean, spoiler alert, like if you watch the show or read the book, like they were specifically like targeting, you know, doctors and people in the science community for, you know, advocating for um, not just abortion, but like reproductive care, you know? Um, And it's sort of like, if you throw all the doctors in jail, um, where do all the doctors go? You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's definitely scary, uh, but I would encourage people to like maintain a sense of hope and like sanity through as we trudge on through these conversations. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So all of this, you know, kind of goes into a hot topic, I guess, if we can call it that on Twitter, which is hashtag sex strike. And so there's been yeah. so, 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 so many things said about it, both positive and negative, sarcastic, and just all all of the things. Um, so I kind of wanted to get into some of those tweets. So um, do you have any you want to share? Hold on, <laughs> do I? <laughs> I have plenty. Um, first of all, I just want to say that it was Alyssa Milano mm-hmm. who called for this sex strike. And Wait, can you explain <laughs> it first before we get into it? Basically, she said something to the effect like, hey, like, you know, they're trying to control our bodies, you know, basically on the my body, my choice, you know. Thing, and basically called for women to abstain from having sex with their male partners um, as a form of protest, I guess, you know, to, to say like, listen, um, until, you know, uh, we get our full rights, like no sex for you. <laughs> but the thing is, um. The thing about that is like, like I said before, there's a lot of misinformation and like irresponsible reporting happening, preventing us from having, you know, conversations that lead to actual solutions. And in addition to that, there's so much historical baggage within the feminist movement when it comes to how white women specifically talk about reproductive Mm -hmm. rights and a lot of times when even when we're we aren't talking about abortion specifically like white women are notorious for only offering solutions or expressing opinions that are informed by and still uphold a worldview that is very centered around whiteness and heteronormativity So with the sex strike, you know, I understand that these types of movements have happened before and may have been effective to some extent in their time. But I feel like 
we're moving past the idea that women's bodies are only purposeful when meeting the needs of men. You know, weaponizing our autonomy is not the way (laughs) to me, especially like now. And, you know, I, I would even go so far as to challenge, like even using the term women, like is somewhat exclusive because it's not just quote unquote women who need access to abortion or other, you know, reproductive care, you know, shit like this, you know, it erases queer people, trans people, intersex people, people who don't, you know, fit into the binaries of gender in the way that we were conditioned to think. And yet they're how they were biologically born may require them to, you know, seek this medical care. Okay. So like, um, besides like reducing like reproductive rights to just abortion is just very narrow to me. So I feel like people like Alyssa Milano and others that are like, yeah, like just stop having sex with men and then they'll listen. You know, it's, it's very narrow because that's also saying that like, you're also narrowing like how, what men are capable of, you know, like men are just these like sex driven, you know, creatures that, just think with their dicks and you know like that's not that's not accurate um so I I just (laughs) you know it's very reductive and like it, it I feel like it erases people like me like I am a queer woman I primarily have relations with other women okay I'm not having I'm gonna keep it real. I'm not having penetrative like sex, like that leads to reproduction. Okay. Um, and like, I know that's very difficult for some people to, to hear that sex isn't just reduced to penis, vagina, sex, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into all the ways that I have sex because it's none of your business. But like, I'm just trying to paint a picture here. Um, but uh, my point is, is that, you know, sex isn't just about like, you know, a boring fuck in the missionary position, you know, with the hopes that you'll like pop out a few kids. Okay, like, yeah. So <laughs> I just feel like um, the sex strike is very... Uh, it's silly yeah <laughs> and um, I'm trying to find these tweets okay so Laura Perry um, she did this a lot of people did a lot of threads but she said um, if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't believe you should have agency over your body maybe think about that If you're not, I don't see how abstaining from sex moves the needle on this issue. This annoys me a lot. So like, yeah, because like even if I were um, having sex with men, (laughs) why would I want to be in a relationship? Why would I want to be in a relationship with somebody or be having sex with somebody that doesn't like see my body 
as its own with its own autonomy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, I feel like weaponizing our autonomy is, is saying that our bodies are just here for the pleasure of men. And that's not the case. Um, and also, let's see. I'm looking, um, Emily Joy, which she's pretty popular. Um, she's actually a local, like, uh, artist, like spoken word artist here in Nashville. But, um, she said, PSA, if you're having sex with somebody who doesn't already believe in and actively fight for your bodily autonomy in their actions and their voting habits, dump them. You don't need a strike for that. Here is your permission from the universe. And if the person you are having sex with does believe in and fight for your bodily autonomy, then why the hell would you stop having sex with them? A protest only works if you are inconveniencing the bad guys. Um, so I <laughs> just like, yeah, I just feel like why... Just why? Why, Alyssa? Like, she's so, she can be so uh, well-intentioned, yet so tone-deaf, and I, and continues to sort of, like, insert her, like, you know, like, even with the Me Too movement, like, Me Too was started by a Black woman, and then here comes Alyssa Milano, like, not intentionally at first, but here she comes talking about Me Too, and now she's, like, somewhat of the face of it when like that's not accurate you know see what it is so like yeah it just reminds me of my frustration with white feminism like it's just no no (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what do you think Uh, so i am not going to take a side i'm not going to say any of my personal thoughts about the sex strike i just want to share some tweets (laughs) (laughs) um so pause almost dropped my phone (laughs) lord so um this tweet is by ariel bovat she said hey Alyssa milano i support your sex strike stop having sex outside of marriage and there will be less abortions and less babies killed good idea you're so brilliant how could we christians have done this without you Uh, yeah, I saw <laughs> some of those. Yeah, okay. Yikes. <laughs> I, w- I wish at this moment, because I'm not giving any of my personal opinion, I wish that there was a camera because the facials. So, <laughs> the <laughs> you already know how my facial expressions are. Um. So this other one by Heidi Matthews, she says, the sex strike assumes men are the ones against abortion. This is absurd. Now that one, I have to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's another one by Horse Whisperer, which, okay. Um, Twitter fighting over the idea of sex strike is basically like every marketing planning meeting ever. No clear strategy. Everyone arguing about tactics. And I think that goes along with what you were saying. It's just like, it's an idea, but like, is it really going to mm-hmm. go anywhere? Does it really actually, like they said, even scratch the surface of the actual issue? 
Um, right. Let me see. Let me see. I saved a good number of them. Uh, oh, I actually <laughs> saved one of the ones you already read. This one here. So it's by, his name is Uncle, well, this person's name is Uncle Ramrod. And the tweet says, the mind-boggling number of men completely showing their ass and admitting to the entire world they're bad at sex over the sex strike is giving me strength. So <laughs> that was their tweet. But then they actually <laughs> included screenshots of people's conversations about the sex strike. So in the first picture, there's a person by the name of Femme Feminist. And they said, this idea frames sex as something that hetero women are subjected to rather than enthusiastic participants in. And this um, person that responded by the name of Andy Brad HV said, I get the point you're trying to make, but I have yet to meet a hetero woman who enthusiastically participates in sex. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then um, the other picture that they posted, um, the first tweet was by Hey Guido. And it says, my problem with this sex strike, it feeds the narrative that women only have sex to satisfy men's sexual needs. It ignores women's sexuality. Women like sex too. It is not something we give to men to keep them happy. This pushes an outdated narrative. Please stop it. And at Plain Scott responded, Michelle, please stop before you say something that ruins your credibility. Women may claim to like sex, but you really don't. You tolerate it under limited circumstances and during limited time frames. That's nature's design. Please be honest now. Oh, I trash. mean, like, in the trash. did you? you in the trash. I want to say that these people did not think, but like, I know they thought about that. They really thought about their responses, and it's just like. <laughs> I myself, well, here's the just thing. real quick, I myself will say that I will absolutely always be on strike, sex strike from men who believe that I'm not supposed to enjoy it. What is wrong with you? Right. Okay. Like, whether you're having sex with men, women, whoever, okay, um, everyone in between, okay? Like, <laughs> I... It makes me very sad, but it's also like a reflection that our culture still has so much longer to go when it comes to um, how mm -hmm. we view sex. Like sex should be enjoyable for both or multiple parties mm -hmm. involved, okay? <laughs> Um, whoever's involved in, 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 in that, like, and, and I'll even go to, you know, people say well, the only good sex is consensual sex. Like, well, consensual sex is sex because sex that isn't consensual is not sex. That is something else. That is rape. That is abuse. Okay. So sex between consenting adults. Okay. Like should be enjoyable for all mm -hmm. parties involved. And it's it's very telling that we're still telling men that women are here to give you pleasure. And I guess we'll find fulfillment in the children that we're raising. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but if there's any woman listening to this that 
and you're not enjoying the sex that you're having, please like get the help <laughs> that you need. And I'm not saying that like you are at right. fault for this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there like women's sexuality has been so suppressed for so long that we don't think that we are allowed to enjoy sex. Um, but that is so not true. And if you're not enjoying it, like there's, there's something happening. Okay. And I'm not saying that everybody has to enjoy sex. Cause I don't want to erase, you know, my ace people out there who like just sex isn't really their vibe. Okay. But like, I'm saying if you are a person that wants to enjoy sex and you're not enjoying it, whether you're man or woman, get the help that you need. And maybe if your partner believes that you're not entitled to that pleasure, it's time to break up. Period. <laughs> like, and I think that's, that's really the point that like all these people are making is that there's no need to have a sex strike if you are already in a relation sexual relationship with someone who doesn't just view you as a plaything for their enjoyment, but they view you as a person that has your own autonomy, that has your own uh, rights to yourself and honors the decisions that need to be made that best serves your body. <laughs> Period. I was literally waiting on that. <laughs> I mean, because end of story. Yeah, I mean, so Alyssa, love you. Okay, like, (laughs) okay, this actually breaks. It actually breaks my heart because I was such a charmed fan growing up. So, like, I ain't even gonna lie to you, G. I I don't even know who she is. I um, I mean, she's an actress. Like, yeah, okay. most people I mean, I know her. That most people know her from Who's the Boss and Charmed. Um, she's been in other stuff too, but like, I feel like that's her. Those are two of her most iconic roles. Um, but anyway, like, <laughs> and Alyssa, like, she's doing good work in the sense of like, she definitely speaks out, you know, against things that are very problematic but sometimes she misses the mark and these are one of those times and sometimes it's it's like kind of it chuckles me but then it's also like once you get to the root of it it's like so upsetting you know Mm -hmm. I found this one thread it was like funny but like also informative Um, this was posted by Adriana Planey Um, And she said, I see Alyssa, quote unquote, I'm every woman, Milano, (laughs) thinks she's Lysistra, which implies that the onslaught against reproductive rights is comparable to the Peloponnesian War, which it isn't. There is so much wrong with the framing the rollback of abortion rights and access as the actions of men when white women have been architects of these laws and key backers of the pro-life movement which arose amidst racist um 
anxieties, RE integration, which I'm gonna I'm gonna go into in a second. The pro-life movement can be summed up as a backlash to civil rights movement wins. However, modest or incremental they were, the backlash were uh, was reflective of a sense that their enroachment into the white demos was to be met with social control. Um, and then she quotes this article that says it wasn't until 1979 a full six years after roe versus roe v wade that evangelical leaders at the behest of the conservative activist paul uh Weirich seized an abortion not for moral reasons but as a rallying cry to deny president jimmy carter a second term why because the abortion crusade was more palpable than the religious rights real motive protecting segregated schools so much for the new abolitionism let's not allow women to be implicitly defined as white women of childbearing age let's resist reducing attacks on reproductive rights to mere attacks on abortion access this is a broader spectrum within a society from whom coercion and sexual violence are foundational also, not everyone who needs an abortion is a woman, so the language here needs to recognize the breadth of this violence of social control at the nexus of sexuality and gender and assigned race and class and disability status. The gender binary obscures the intersectional violence. Also, let's integrate and reject the cis-heteronormative assumptions that one, all sex has the potential to be procreative. Two, sex is a bargaining chip. And three, that sexual prom, prom, uh, proximity and intimacy equal sufficient to effective uh, structural change. Also, we need to reject the assumption that becoming pregnant or avoiding pregnancy equals reducible to choice as long as sexual coercion and violence, wage disparities, inequitable access to health care and child care and mass incarceration, jails and prisons are violence, are the norm. She slayed that, first of all. <laughs> and she brought up like a really, really important point. Like as we continue to have these conversations about abortion, like abortion was not always about this moral issue that everybody gets so up in arms about. Um, when Roe v. Wade was passed, conservatives didn't give a shit about it one way or the other. I mean, I'm sure there were people that did, obviously, uh, but this movement, this pro-life movement rally cry that we see today was birthed out of racism, y'all. <laughs> like, that's just, to put it plainly. Um, and I'm going to link that article in the show description because I really need for us to like move forward in these conversations and recognize that like this, this is so much more than protecting babies. <laughs> um, conservatives like I get, I, I get, I get it. Like, I get the argument of, like, wanting to protect, you know, the unborn, you know. I guess I can get that concept, but it's not reliable to me um, because 
I feel like if we really cared about life, like you say you're pro-life, you would care about all lives and not just these like zygotes. Okay. Because like this is a this is this is an attempt to rally everybody together to create a more you know, palpable platforms to get everybody on board with quote unquote Christian values. But when we look at uh, below the surface, those Christian values are heavily rooted in white supremacy. Because like I said, if people really cared about the lives of children, they wouldn't just be talking about them in the womb. They would be advocating for laws that actually protect children and families not just in the womb, but outside of the womb. They would be caring for the sick and the poor and ensuring that the capitalist dream isn't achieved by, you know, at the expense of others. Um, you know, if they really cared about the lives of children and maintaining family values, then, you know, why aren't we seeing them on the front lines with their quote unquote sworn enemy to demand that the government stop separating children at the border from their families? like answer me that answer me that okay <laughs> like why like if we really cared about children we would be providing um resources for them to achieve in public schools instead of passing these bullshit voucher plans and denying them access to free or reduced price lunches why is Philando Cast Castile's mother paying thousands of dollars to a school to pay off the debt, the lunch debt of children so that they can graduate. So now their lunch debt is a bargaining chip for their diploma. If they really cared about children, Tamir Rice would still be alive. If we really cared about children, when Philando Castile was shot and killed, it would not have been in front of that little girl. So I don't really have the patience, <laughs> the energy, the tenacity to like get in these like debates about abortions and sex strikes and shit when it's very clear to me that we don't really care about children or family values or Christian values or anything like that. We're just trying to uphold uh, power structures to control so that, you know, certain people can stay in power. Because it's not just about men controlling bodies, because like someone said before, white women have been architectural in crafting laws like this, supporting laws like this to keep the structural, you know, power thing in check. So, you know, <laughs> I could go, I could go on and on, but like, yeah, let's, let's, I just feel like we just really need to keep it real and stop all this dancing around the issue the issue is is that like white supremacy is real and it infects like every aspect of life including debates about abortion so i just want 
anybody listening who heard anything she just said and you know it was nothing but facts to tweet us and say abra dot 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 ellipses for those who know what that is without saying dot 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 (laughs) i need you to say abra ellipses palm face emoji amen that's all i need that's all i need (laughs) Just let, let's let, let us know you're listening and that you're on the same page. Okay. Okay. I'm prepared for people to clap back at me, though. Because, they, a... tried, they, because they tried it last week, y'all. But okay. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. But if you try to clap back, then you have to know. Let me not insult the people. I was going to insult them. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just Jesus loves you all. You'll just get deleted. That's all. Yeah. But yeah, nothing but facts. Like, you just went crazy. <laughs> you just went too crazy. I mean, damn they shut down the show. Listen, matter of fact, hand in your offering. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> because the word has been spoken. There's nothing else to say. Baby <laughs> girl, we're done here. It's over. <laughs> Not passing your offers. <laughs> pass it up. Like your papers, pass them forward. Okay? <laughs> no, but seriously, you snapped. But <laughs> yeah, no, I do have to have to know you said it at the very end of what you were saying, and I, I was already thinking it, but I'm glad you made the point. Um honestly going into this conversation, I definitely was just thinking about it as being men, forgetting that you know women can be just as trash. So as we move forward in this conversation, kind of moving a little bit away from abortion and just into people trying to police people, um, I just want to make it that and not just about women. So yeah, let's talk about people policing people. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) I want to start, let's let's narrow it down because there's so many things we can talk about. I want to start with with clothing choices. How people try Ooh. to police people's clothing choices. You sound disgusted. Share that with us. I mean, okay, so you know I created a whole uh dance piece about that. <laughs> <laughs> well it was it was birthed from that, um, I will say. I I mean hell i mean to some <laughs> to some degree, like we're conditioned to do that. Like I notice um, no shade to my mom. Um, I love you, mom. But like, there are traces of that. Like, I noticed traces of that. Like, when I, um, even as an adult, when I am getting ready to walk out of the house, um, my mom will either celebrate what I'm wearing that fits her narrative or approval according to like what she deems to be acceptable. Um, but then if I'm wearing something that goes outside of those frames, uh, some of the language that she uses or the reactions are reflective of sort of this policing of like, you know, why are you wearing that? Mm -hmm. Don't you want to, don't you want to, it's even like to the point of like, don't you want to put on some earrings with that? Oh baby, that was my mama's favorite line. Yeah, or don't you or don't you wanna um don't you wanna put on some some pants like that's like 
that dress is too short or you know just the like oh my god like mm-hmm. ooh, you know <laughs> like those kind of things um now obviously i don't need my mother's permission to wear what i wear especially now as an adult but i feel like we are all we've all been um surrounded by that by our parents or people in our communities being like telling us like this is what is deemed acceptable and this is what's not acceptable and oftentimes it's like it's us women us girls okay that are told you know if you if you're wearing more revealing clothing then you are putting yourself at risk for assault Mm -hmm. essentially um which plays into this like victim blaming game um and i think a lot of us aren't really consciously aware that we're like doing that and even i have to check myself to 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 see like where am i um where am I policing other women and even men too, like in what they're wearing because, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. So therefore I have a right to like dictate what they put on their body. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's whack. (laughs) The whole earring thing is like, It it used to bother me so much. And like now I'm at the point where I pretty much always wear earrings. And if I don't, it's usually when I'm just like going to a friend's house or going to the store or something. Um, but that's on my own time. And I think that when it comes to like parents, I think that they they don't realize or they just don't think about the fact that like I mean, you can tell me to put on earrings and stuff, but, like, if that's not what I want to do, then, like, I didn't do it for a reason. <laughs> and it's so simple. It's really not a big deal, but it's just, like, I just I just used to hate it because I felt like – I think the reason why I hate it is because I tied it to um, – when I was in, like, fourth, fifth grade, my mom used to um, braid my hair straight back, cornrows. I don't know why I don't like the word, the word cornrows, but – um, she used to braid my hair straight back and you know at that age the girls if they're tall at all they're usually taller than the boys so I was one of the tallest ones and I had these straight back braids and I, I believe I'm not completely sure but I believe that my voice was a little deeper back then um, and if you know me, then you know it It already can get kind of deep at times, depending on like what mood I'm in or just, you know, the energy I put behind my voice, um, which I absolutely love now. I wish I had a deeper voice sometimes. But anyway, back then, as a little girl, I could not appreciate a beautiful, deep voice on a woman like I do now. Um, so I remember a friend of mine who was a boy like referring to me as like a boy. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he like told me that like I look like a boy or something. He was talking about my voice and he was talking about my braids. And so I think like internalizing that, even though it honestly wasn't that big of a deal, I think I really did internalize that. So then my mom telling me to like put on earrings all the time made me feel like she was saying without the earrings, I looked like a boy or that I just wasn't 
like pretty or anything. And I was just like, this is so annoying because like, what if I don't want to be pretty? (laughs) It wasn't even about like, oh, my mom's calling me ugly. It was just like, I just don't want you to tell me how to look. Like, just let me do what I want to do. And also earrings can be uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes I want my ears to breathe, you know? Right. Yeah, literally, it's that simple. Like even now, sometimes I won't put on earrings going to work or church or like places where I usually will put them on. Sometimes I just won't because it's like I don't wear heavy earrings. I don't really do too much variation outside of maybe like studs and hoops, but it's still just like you can tell the difference of something being in your ear versus there being Mm -hmm. nothing there. And sometimes like. Uh, a very light hoop will feel heavy if you're wearing it all day long. And I don't like that feeling. So I just choose not to wear it. It has nothing to do with, am I feminine enough or, you know, and that's how I used to see it as a a kid. So when I would put on earrings and I would be like, and then especially hearing some of my friends being like, oh, I have to wear earrings because I, I look like a boy. I heard so many girls saying that growing up, if I don't put on earrings, I look like a boy. Mind you, these people are gorgeous. Like I've ha- I've had friends who have been gorgeous their entire life, never had an ugly face, and <laughs> to hear them saying like I look like a boy without earrings, I'm like, damn, I got to be ugly as hell because <laughs> I don't dress the best. I'm like, I don't think I've ever been awkward, but like I just had to come into myself, okay. And so it just, it's just so much that goes into it. So it's like, even when it comes to policing things that your child wears or your friends or anything of the sort, which I actually want to get to that because we did have a conversation that goes along with this. Um, (laughs) When it comes to those things and like, you think that it's, uh, you saying something basic, like, oh, I think you should do this or, you know, what about this? Um, But you never really know how people internalize what you have to say and not that it's necessarily your job to like do all of the research of like oh what have you been through what have you experienced that would make me saying this cause you to you know feel negative negatively about yourself but it's still just being being um conscious and cautious of what you say to people just because you just don't know very true very true (laughs) yeah so you want to talk about this situation that we had uh, I think, I think I know what you're referring to. Um, this is going to be awkward if it's not, but. <laughs> I definitely want you to guess now. <laughs> you have to guess. Okay. So I was invited out to, um, have drinks with someone <laughs> Uh, that was, you know, it was, it, was, it wasn't really a date, but like, it wasn't like having drinks with the girls. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> um, um, I was asked out for drinks and if you follow me on Twitter or any other social media platform, you know that I've been talking a lot about coming into my second adolescence my queer second queer adolescence because when you come out later in life you realize you didn't go through the normal like things that people go through as like teenagers and young adults like when it comes to dating and like socializing and things like that so of course I'm like 
what do I wear? Because even though like it wasn't it wasn't like I'm gonna have drinks with this person and we're gonna get married tomorrow, so better like be like look the best. But I also, you know, I'm just I'm becoming more conscious about like what I wear and how I present myself and just trying to feel more I don't know like attractive I guess um like I guess if if I feel attractive then other people sense that vibe from me and then they will like see me as attractive does that make sense so (laughs) so I obviously asked Alicia like hey what should I wear like here are my options which one do you like the best? And now that I think about it, it's like, why do I even feel the need to ask my friends what I should wear on an outing? Because it's not like I'm trying to attract them. <laughs> like That's true. I'm not the one going to have drinks with you. Like you're not the, the object of like my affection in, in, in this moment in time. Mm-hmm. So like- why should your like opinion even matter? But we do that. We're like, hey, like, does this, do you think this looks good on me? And I guess like there's value in that. Like, cause sometimes people see things that you don't yeah. see. Um, but at the same time, so I send Alicia all these pictures of these different like tops and outfits or whatever. And you were just like, those are all... <laughs> those are all like professional clothes like we need to get you some date clothes and I'm like wait what there's a different like I know there are different kinds of clothes for different occasions so like obviously I'm not gonna wear sweatpants you know Mm -hmm. to this this meeting I guess we'll call it Um, right Uh, (laughs) but at the same time, like, I don't, I, I feel like I have a style, like I have an aesthetic and it is a play of like, it's a little bit modest and plain and simple, but also like it accentuates like some of my features. I don't know. Would you say that? Like, <laughs> Um, Wait, say that again? uh, Like my, I would say that my style and aesthetic is like modest, but not too modest. Like it's, yeah, it's like, and it's simple. Like I'm not the type of person that likes to wear a lot of like flashy Mm -hmm. clothes. Like I'm really good with like a pair of comfortable, like I like to be comfortable, but pretty, like pretty most of the time I I sometimes play on the like gender presentation sometimes I may look you know present a little more um androgynous or masculine I guess but for the most part I'm definitely a femme you Mm -hmm. know so yeah but you were just like these are professional clothes. Get you some date clothes. 
And I'm just like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm not going shopping. Because why? Because uh, <laughs> it like put me in this like mindset of like, it, it put me on a it put me on a rabbit hole actually of thinking like what's the point of dating like when we just you know we put on a mask like we dress up and we're putting on clothes that like aren't even comfortable like we're not even gonna wear this shit every day and we're like putting on a costume for people and then like you get to know them and you know, they fall in love with the costume, the character that you presented to them. And then when you, it's time for that character to be put to rest and they see the real you, which isn't so flashy and cool and sexy, then it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this person who's like not as gorgeous, you know, than what they like presented to me on that first night. And I just feel like, yeah, it put me on this like spiral and it was really bad. <laughs> um so yeah, I guess that's what you're referring to. Actually no. Um, I'm gonna uh... get it. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you should see my face I, I right heard now. It. Like the gasp was so real. That's definitely what I was talking about. <laughs> So, one, <laughs> I would like to apologize for, you know. Uh, you don't have to. Well, I mean, you know, I need to. Um, I'm okay. sure you know that that wasn't my intention, but that doesn't change the effect. So, definitely want to apologize. Um, but, yes, I mean, like, it literally goes right into this subject. So, I'm glad that we even had this moment and you were able to share your um your experience of it because on my side of things and i'm just like oh yeah you know more clothes like <laughs> different different style like i'm really just seeing it as like this basic like okay you have like because I, I i pretty much know what your style is i believe i do um so i'm just seeing it as like oh yeah like those clothes are cool but like let's branch out into other styles because that's kind of how i think of clothes like i have my style but then I also have styles that I like and I would like to venture into but that's a thing of like you know first of all having the money let's just talk about that but right. <laughs> but also like not wanting to um, always stick with one style because sometimes I feel differently on certain days and I like don't have the clothing to match that and so that's kind of how I think mm -hmm. of just clothing in general and also, when, when we were having this conversation, then I, what I really was thinking about is, like, you know, back in the day, they used to really have, like, you have your church clothes, you have your school clothes, you have your play clothes. And so it's like there are different clothing you have for everything. And not necessarily that, like, now we mix stuff up because I wear an outfit to work and to church, and it works for both of them. But, but then there are also, you know, if I'm going out, like, out, out, like, to a club or something. I'm definitely not wearing that outfit in church. <laughs> and then if I'm going out on a date, that would be a different outfit than the club outfit and the church outfit, depending on where I'm going on the date or the meeting or whatever. Um, <laughs> so that's really all I was thinking about it. But that's that's the same thing that I was saying about the whole thing with my mom telling me about, about earrings. Like, you just never really know 
how what you're saying is impacting in a different way because of the way that people, um, you know, think and perceive life and just, you know, everybody's different. So as simple as it was to me, like it definitely, I could tell it like in our conversation, you being like, pretty much like, girl, what? <laughs> and so I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm like, I'm glad that this was the topic that we ended up going into today because it is good to know like how, how you feel. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I internalize things a lot. So when I went on my like rabbit hole, I, I, I I wasn't even thinking about Mm -hmm. you anymore. It was like, now I'm just like spiraling into things because that's sometimes how my brain works and I have to like recenter myself and be like, hey, bro, it's not even that deep. Okay. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it did make me reflect a little bit on how, like you were saying, how we perceive things and how much we've been conditioned to place things in these neat little categories you know like you were because I definitely have heard like yeah you have your church clothes you have your school clothes you have your work clothes and I think for a while I used to really try to separate all those things um but as time has gone on and like you know budget also has a lot to do with this too and just I've also just never been like a person that is so um, always thinking about like my clothes, Mm -hmm. I guess. I'm very much like if it fits and it's comfortable and it's cute, then I'm going to wear it. And then when it no longer fits or is, you know, so worn out it's either going to become pajamas or it's going in the mm-hmm. trash. So, <laughs> no, uh, like, seriously. So, um, and I think, like, going back to my my relationship with my mother, I realized that um, as, a, as a child and, like, adolescent, like, there were different styles that I wanted to explore. Um but I just wasn't able to because of the policing from my parents or being overly concerned about how others would see me, you know, particularly as a black girl, Mm -hmm. like there were styles that I was, I felt drawn to, but it was like, that's not what black girls wear, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. Like, if I had my way, I would probably be like one of those like emo kids. Like I definitely would have gone through my emo phase with like the side bangs and, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, just like the whole thing. And I remember like Hot Topic used to be like a really popular store and my mom like I drug my mom in there and she just was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like we're not staying in here. I'm not buying you anything from here because like before Hot Topic got like super bright, like it used to be really dark and like just, you know, 
really punk and goth and all those things. And, but I was, you know, living in an environment that was telling me like, this is who, like telling me this is who you are. And therefore, because of who you are, this is what you're supposed to look like. Um, But some of the ways that I was like expressing myself through clothing didn't really match like how I felt on the inside. Mm. And so now as an adult, like it's, I find, I try to find ways to, to defy those things. Like I'll like steal my dad's shirts and like wear them. Um, I'll like wear black nail polish. Um, uh, Try to find ways to like punk it out. Um, But now that I'm an adult, it's like difficult for me because you know, now we're under the constraints of like, this is what you're supposed to look like to be professional, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, most people will probably be like, hey, bro, like you're in the arts, you know, so like, people just assume that like, because I work in the arts, like, I have more freedom and liberty to like, look any kind of way. But I'm always concerned about how I look, not because of the jobs that I have, like within the arts, but like because of the other jobs that I have to have in order to support myself <laughs> um, that aren't as um, accepting to like looking uh, any kind of way, mm. you know, which is really it's really unfortunate because, yeah. And even within like me teaching dance, like teaching dance here in Tennessee like is difficult because a lot of studios are still like very conservative and have like this cookie cutter image thing and because I am black and I'm queer and I don't have a traditional like quote-unquote dancer body I find that I have to overcompensate those things by making sure that I look presentable so I can't just like play with my style, you know, yeah. in the way that I feel like people encourage, often encourage me to do, or I may want to, I'm moving into more of this, like, fuck all of that. And like, take me as I am or screw it. Um, but I also am a person that like needs to make money and, <laughs> doesn't always have the um, accessibility to to just move how I want to move, yeah. you know? So. It's hard, but it's fine. <laughs> Whatever you want to wear. You wear it. Okay. So I'm just going to be naked. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> I remember you could have just saw my face. <laughs> I was very calm, but I was like, okay. Um, I mean, if that's what you... Oh, you don't want to see me naked? I don't care. You don't want to see me naked? That's the, okay. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, the people don't know how to act. They can't even take, you know, right. women not wearing bras because, you know, boobs are the equivalent of the penis. So, it's just... Right. Which I will confess, I have been not wearing bras all the time. Yes, girl. Yes. Take and it off. It, 
it used to just I started doing it when I was living in Illinois like in the winter time it's so easy to get away with it in the winter because you're mm-hmm. wearing like those big coats and like sweatshirts and stuff sweaters and stuff yeah yeah and it would really just be like I need to run to Kroger real quick like I'm not trying to impress anybody I just need my quick little groceries and then be on my way but now like I've actually not worn bras like at certain events like I'm actually wearing like nice clothes and like we're out and we're doing our thing no bra it's so I'm so proud of you it's so liberating so very proud yeah I mean you were there for one (laughs) (laughs) I'm so here for it everybody take your bra off okay no I'm just kidding (laughs) I know some people like it's very uncomfortable and they have really big breasts and it's like you need the support. I understand. I mean, I don't understand because I'm itty bitty titty committee. But are you? Well, actually, I'm not. I'm like, I'm like decent size. I can't even say like middle ground, but like I don't, I don't know. I need a committee. We medium girls need a committee. Well, you can start your committee, girl. Like I don't know what to call it. I we'll work on it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm really like trying to think about this, but I'll figure it out. And yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel so, like I'm definitely gonna wear a bra like when I'm in rehearsal and stuff because yes, it is yeah. uncomfortable like to be jumping around and like there's no support. But like if I'm just like walking around like i'm at an art gallery or something why do i need to wear a bra for like what so yeah i i actually feel the same way about the rehearsal but i actually had a rehearsal not too long ago where i came with the bra on but i took it off and i was perfectly okay with it because it felt so much better to have it off even moving around and stuff because i was on my cycle and so i was Mm. like swollen and the bra was hurting me like that's how swollen my breast became. I was like, I literally can't. But it was like a rehearsal with all women and nobody cared. Not that men would care either, but I'm just saying like, nobody cared. I was, just, I told them like, y'all, this is hurting me. I have to take this off. And they were just like, okay. And one of our girls actually a while before that was rushing to rehearsal and forgot to put on a bra. She literally didn't realize she didn't have on a bra until she got there and was like talking to us. I was like, I mean, I'm fine with it. I thought you knew. She was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm like, girl, come on. It's time to dance. Anybody got time for that? Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yes. Free the tatas. It, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it really just depends. That? It depends. It depends. Do you remember those, those bracelets? I love boobies and free the tatas. <laughs> what uh, a time. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I, maybe maybe I won't wear a bra like for a portion of rehearsal on Sunday and just see how it goes I mean if it feels good honestly letting them move around freely does feel good sometimes it's like the equivalent of like getting a massage because people don't know that like certain areas of your body hold so much tension your butt Mm-hmm. And your chest, breasts, all of that, like it holds so much tension and you never know it until you get a massage and yes. realize how relaxed you are. Yes. Yes. So, you know, mm. I'm just trying to tell y'all, trying to help y'all out. <laughs> <laughs> but 
to wrap up this episode, we have talked about um, the fetal heartbeat law. We've talked about sex strike. We've talked about policing of people in general and how we all should mind our business. Basically, that is, that is the the main point of this entire episode. Mind your business, drink your water, do your skincare, do your self-care, and love people. And we will all get along in this life. Yes, we will. That's and that's a word. that. That's a word. Mm. A whole word. Let's move into shameless plug. Do you have anything? I do. I do. Um, <laughs> found Youth Movement Ensemble Auditions are June 8th and June 15th. So found movement group, we have a youth movement ensemble. Um, basically, it's just the kid version of FMG. <laughs> and um, we're, we're starting that back up again. Um, Stacy Floodpop and Claire Roberts will be directing that uh, company. And um, like I said, auditions are June 8th and June 15th. There is an audition request form that you'll need to fill out. So this is for dancers in the Nashville area um, between the ages of 14 and 19. So if you're from 14 to 19 and you're interested, I'm going to link some information in the show description, including that audition form that you can fill out And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me or follow found at FMG dance on Instagram or go to foundmovementgroup.com. All the information will be there. And then found is also doing some summer workshops. We're basically bringing the workshops to you essentially. So if you have a studio or, some type of dance group or organization or whatever, and you want us to come teach some classes for you, um, we are starting to do that starting in June and July. And that is when I'll be able to start teaching my Mystic Flow class. So yeah, if you're in Middle Tennessee and you are looking to provide some summer workshops for your kids or maybe even your adults as well we're here for you and I'll also link that information below and then I also wanted to just give a couple of shout outs um I wanted to shout out my friend my inspiration Chaz Pirtle he is an amazing creator choreographer dancer just mm love him love him love him he just released a short dance film called love um and it is so good it represents all the goodness and magic of black love and joy and happiness and it just brightened my day so um yeah that video is out it's on youtube i'll link that in the show description and yeah encourage you to watch it like it share it with all of your friends because we are living in a dumpster fire of a world but like there is still goodness and joy and magic and Chaz is definitely a person that exudes all of those things so support his work 
I love you, Chaz, so, so, so much. And I wanted to shout out my my new internet friend, Matthias. He <laughs> made me a playlist Aww. on Spotify. And then I made him a playlist. So now we're like <laughs> exchanging playlists. And it's so fun. Um, but basically, like through his playlist, he introduced me to this band, Big Joni. They're a black punk band. Because I think what happened was I tweeted that if like in another lifetime or another alternate like universe, I am a lead singer of a of a punk band and I have purple hair and yeah, I'm like living my best life. And he basically replied and was like, why does that have to be an alternative universe? Like this could be reality now. <laughs> and then um, one of another person that I follow on Twitter was like, I want to start a band where I'm the drummer, but first I need to learn how to play the drums. And then I basically was just like, I'll be the lead singer if you'll have me. And then Matthias like co-signed on that. And he was like, yes, this should definitely be a thing. And then I was actually telling one of my friends about it. And then I was like, yeah, I just feel like in another life I have purple hair and I'm the lead singer of a punk band. And I'm not even lying as soon as I said that, there was this beautiful black woman who came to the door and she had purple hair. Are you so serious? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I am so serious. So I don't know, guys. I think I'm going to dye my hair purple and start a band. So yeah. Thank you, Matthias, for <laughs> um, encouraging my side dreams and also for making me a dope playlist. Um, but yeah, I encourage you guys to check out Big Joni, like if you're into like punk music. Um, by the way, like black people actually contributed a lot to punk. Like it is not just a white people thing. So let's dismantle that myth real quick. So yeah, Big Joni, they are based in London, I think. I don't know. Um in the UK, basically. So yeah, shout out to Matthias. I'm gonna link his his Twitter handle because yeah, I love him a lot. Thanks. <laughs> and that's all I have for shameless plug. Hey Matthias. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, he's great. Listen. All right, so um, do you have a, a, a song that you would like to share with us? Oh, me? Yes. Let's throw it on you. Oh, God. Well, okay. So <laughs> last night on Twitter, I was going in. <laughs> I've been on this nostalgia kick, right? And like, so if for those of us 90s babies who saw a goofy movie, yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, do it. That's that's the best movie. Hold on, I need to pull up the lyrics so I don't fuck this up. But I was going in on Twitter because I was like, this song by Tevin Campbell, who voices the character Powerline in the movie. Um, like first of all, Tevin Campbell, like holy shit, like yeah. He, He's the bomb. But like, <clears throat> wow. 
I did not plan to sing this. I was going in last <laughs> night, y'all. I was like, this song is a word. Like this song is a is a testimony. Like I've been delivered. Like I'm not even kidding you. Like I went into a Baptist fit, like listening to this song, singing this song last night. And yeah, there's a lot of hidden truths in here. So I will give, I will sing a little bit of it. (laughs) Wow. Is this how you feel every week when you have to do song of the week? Um, The first like two weeks. Yeah. But then I kind of got over it. Wow. Okay. Here we go. If a wall should come between us, too high to climb, too hard to break through, I know that love will lead us and find a way to bring me to you. So don't be in a hurry. Think before you count us out. And then he does his, oh, you don't have to worry. I will never let you down. If we listen to each other's heart, we'll find we're never too far apart. And maybe love is the reason why for the first time ever we're seeing it eye to eye. And yeah, they be going in. Y'all, I'm yes. Feel it eye to eye. Feel it eye to eye. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Bob. Don't, don't don't get me started because I will go back in. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Alicia. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you true, all so, like, so much. But listen, like love. It's all about love. When he said, maybe love is the reason why. That's what's going to get us to see eye to eye. Like, mm-hmm. what? And then when he hit the, if you're ever lonely, stop. You don't have to be. Mm, don't let me go. Stop me <laughs> while I'm ahead. I didn't come to preach. I didn't come to prophesy. <laughs> well, yes, that's a bop. If you don't know that song, if you haven't seen that movie, go watch it. That movie is black as hell, by the way. <laughs> Definitely. Surely is. It truly is. Uh, it's one of the greatest Disney movies of all time. I'm just saying. Yes, 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 yes. But thank you once again for joining us for an episode of Mystics yes, and Mystics. We appreciate you all so much. Be sure to talk to us. I was serious when I said do that Abra, ellipses, palm face, a man, tweet. Make sure you at misfits mystics on twitter on twitter and all other social media hit us up talk to us let us know what you want to hear about if you would like to be a part of a conversation that we're having just you know let us know let us know but come correct facts (laughs) regardless we appreciate you all for listening and we'll talk to you next time talk to you next time bye bye We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Continue the conversation with us. 
develop a community with other misfits and mystics like us, and get your latest updates on shameless plugs and other news by following us on social media. We are on Instagram at Misfits and Mystics Pod, Twitter at Misfits Mystics, and we also have a Facebook page that you can like and share. Want to reach us directly? Shoot us an email at misfitsandmysticspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And with your permission, we might give you a shout out on future episodes. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever streaming service you're using to stay up to date on newest episodes being released. Leave us a review on iTunes to help us gain more visibility. Plus, we appreciate the feedback.